Point Guard is a production of iHeartRadio. You guys in LA, the hood in LA is so, so many, so much politics invisible and like lines. invisible lines in Kansas City is like the wild, wild west. Yo, one, one thing I learned about Magic and I think what he did for us is he would like teach us the game in the game, but he would beat us first and then grab us and talk to us about what to do and how yeah. not to do. Yo, 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 yo. Oh, my goodness. We are back. You hear me? You hear me rubbing my hands? We back, baby. Slick presents Point God Podcast. iHeartRadio. Yes, I am your host. Boom Dizzle, a.k.a. Too Easy. But people know me by my government name as Baron Davis. Point God is a journey through the minds and the talents and the vision behind some of the greatest point guards to ever play the game of basketball. Point gods are leaders, have God-given ability to motivate, to think differently, to think on multiple different planes. I love this show. Because I get to interview some of my favorite point guards that ever played the game of basketball on multiple different levels. Dive into their story, what made them, what molded them, and who they are and where they are now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big one. This is a big one for so many different reasons the autobiography of my life as Baron Davis could not be written without this man to my right the love the brotherhood I never had a brother in my life this is going to be a different intro I never had a brother in my life you know what I mean like this dude became my brother he showed me what a brother was he had a brother he had brothers and he basically we basically grew from boys to men to adults to fathers together my brother NBA I think he played what 15 years he played more years than me god damn it shit from Seattle to Memphis, Coach, UCLA, four years, like all kind of records. I ain't even got no goddamn note cards. And they say, you want notes? I said, no, bro. This guy deserves no notes. He is, he is, he is the beam in my life. He is my point guard. He is my point God. NBA vet, NBA coach. NBA analyst, basketball aficionado, savant among savants, wooden disciple, the legendary Earl Watson, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Point God Podcast. That's a hell of an intro, bro. Hey, man, where my uh, where, where the fans at? I appreciate you, Oh, hold on. I don't feel right unless I hear the crowd noise. Where the crowd noise at? <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go, there we go, there we go. 
All right. Shit, they going up. They yeah. going up. <laughs> What's up, bro? What's up, man? It's crazy. It's hot in here. Like, usually it's not hot. You know what I mean? Like, you come in, and then, like, I, I get all like, fucking emotional and shit. I don't even know if I can cuss on this show, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I get all emotional. Like, I'm so happy you're on this show, bro. You have no idea. I appreciate you doing this. I mean, this is like early Drew. You're the first person to take me to the original Drew. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember I'm from Kansas City. We young. We pulling up, dribbling down the court, dunking all on the rims. Referee start fighting a player. He's like, I stop. He's like, keep playing, bro. I'm like, oh, that's how y'all doing here? Just keep playing. They figure it out later. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I would have never been accepted into LA culture, accepted into LA without your intro and like your blessing as a brother and owning me as family, just taking me everywhere you ever went. So that's big for me, bro. Come on, dude. Hey, but like this, this this show is about you. It's for me to give my roses to the people I love and the games I respect, you know, and my point guy. So this show is about you, the legend of Earl Watson. Here we go. Born and raised in Kansas City, Kansas. A house of how many brothers and sisters? Six. And where do you fall? Fifth. So you 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 the you you the baby before the baby. Yeah. And the baby is is a girl. Yeah. So you are the last boy. Last one to eat, the one that always got beat up. <laughs> <laughs> and I witnessed that, dog. Yeah. I w- hey, dude, you had some tough brothers, bro. Yeah. You had a loving home, incredible parents. I want you to I want to start just talk about growing up in Kansas City, like in your house. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like, you know, like what it was like being Earl Watts. Because I, I didn't know you then. You yeah. know what I mean. So what was it like being you? You know what I mean, growing up in in, in, in that in, in that house. It's just the dynamics of everything. Because as you know, my mom is first generation Mexican American. My yep. dad is black, but I grew up in an all black hood. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we had a lot of Mexican culture in the house, but my mom always told me when the world see it, they're going to see you as black. So when you go outside and, you know, you interact with friends and other family members, you're going to get a little bit of everything. And I never knew that would be important until today. Mm-hmm. So growing up in a house with five older brothers, my mom had her first son, my oldest brother, when she was 14. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we, we grew up in some, you know, some real life conversations. My oldest brother is 15 years older than me. Yeah. So I, I grew up in different generations and I understood a lot about a lot of stuff quickly. Um, I was not sheltered to realities of life, uh, whether it was, you know, brothers, you know, ended up in situations or relationships with women mm-hmm. or whatever it is in the streets. Everything kind of hit me all at once as soon as I touched foot outside. Yeah. And, and, and like, and, and, Man, that's fascinating because, like, born in 1979, I know this. <laughs> you know, being, being an 80s baby, right? Yeah. In L.A., right, like, Mexicans and blacks always, like, was beefing. Or blacks was always kind of, like, low-key bullying Mexicans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Until, you know, like, the numbers shift. Yeah. Like, what was the dynamic and, you know, because, like, for your mom to say, like, you know, go out and people perceived you as black, you know what I mean, as a kid, like, what was the dynamic with, you know, uh, being black and being Mexican, and then what was the Mexican dynamic with, with black people in Kansas City? I think my mom and my dad did a great culture of not making me choose one, but embracing both, mm-hmm. like having pride in both. Uh, my mom is one of the most outspoken 
you know, people for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never seen my mom use the N-word. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom always understood her land, and my mother came from Texas. Yeah. And her parents came from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So she ended up moving to all-black neighborhood at the age of, like, nine and never seen blacks in her life. So it was all new to her. My dad obviously lived in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So the dynamics for me was always, it's kind of like, we don't have the L.A. population, but we do have the same perspectives. Right. Where... You know, I had to prove myself in an all-black hood that I belonged in the culture. Mm-hmm. And then when I go visit my grandmother in the Mexican hood, I didn't really know a lot of Spanish, but I had to prove that I belonged in the culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? I had to get validated both ways. Mm-hmm. And it came to a point where basketball became my validation no matter where the hell I went. If I could hoop, it, the culture speaks for itself, you know? Absolutely, man. And, and, and shout out to your mom. She be hooking up, uh, the, you know, the the, brec- the the dope breakfast tacos. Yeah. Right, bro. We, oh, yeah. We got to get her out here. Um, and then talk about, you know, young Earl Watson getting that ball in your hand and, like, the role that, that, that your pops played. Because when I when I look at your pops, he, re- he reminded me a lot of my grandfather and, like, the relationship. You know, he looked alike like my grandma, grandfather. Yeah. And it was just, like, the relationship that, you know, you had with your pops you know, by him putting that, you know, that ball. Talk about, you know, him and, like, you know, you getting all this, you know, this sewing and, and being grounded in both cultures, yeah. you know, by your mom, you know, uh, the, this strong woman. And then talk about, like, your dad and what he meant, you know what yeah. I mean, to you and the kids in Kansas City. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So my dad was one of the first blacks to integrate the U.S. Army in the early 50s. My dad had me at 47 years old. Yeah. So he lived a lot of life before he had me, and that's mm-hmm. why I had a different perspective, probably like an old soul. Because yep. I was raised by an older man, oh, yeah. you know. So um, then when he moved back to Kansas City, just being an entrepreneur in the hood uh, before, you know, crack cocaine hit the hood, when the mm-hmm. hood was almost mm-hmm. booming and growing. And then like all African-Americans in the hood, if you're an entrepreneur, you had to shift because the money shifted, mm-hmm. the community shifted. Mm-hmm. And then he started running community centers. And my birth into basketball was really from my father leaving me with my brother Saturday mornings. And us watching Georgetown Hoyas hoop with John Thompson. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So that was my Saturday morning. Like, I would wake up every morning to watch them play. And I would go in my backyard and just kind of like, you know, dream and just kind of meditate and just kind of visualize me being in that television. And all I had was my basketball in the backyard or mm-hmm. on the street or on the corner just dribbling, just, you know, or with the Nerf goal, just thinking yeah. I was there. Yeah. And then eventually my father started taking me into the community centers to hoop. And he was... He, in the summer, he made me live there. I would come, this is crazy, dog. I would come hoop in a community center with the policeman, the black mm-hmm. policeman at 9 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Come back and hoop with the federal judges at 12. And then come back at 7 p.m. and hoop with all the D-boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got like a little bit of, I'm dunking Boys. on police. I'm dunking on judges. Yeah. You really can't dunk on the D-boys yeah, unless yeah. all my brothers. Yeah. I didn't come with all my brothers at the end of the day. You know? No, I so, know how it is. You know, it's just, but they they made me tough and they raised me and they didn't give me no slack. My father told them to cut me no slack. Whether they was running up on me, trying to fight me, trying to fit my dad, just let me fend for myself. Yep. And that's where kind of my toughness came into play. Because at that time, I was probably like 12, 11, 13 years old. Yo, 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 we got to tap in real quick. We, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah. 
Yep. And that, I mean, and, and I, I mean, I know where you get, you know, your your toughness in the game and your your tenacity. I think it's from like, it's from that. You know what I mean? From that upbringing. You know what I mean? And like being in that dynamic. And I don't think people, you know, I didn't know shit about Kansas City until I went there, and I was like, oh, fuck, nah, dude. Get me the fuck out of here. Hey, these country motherfuckers gonna kill me, dog. I was like, oh, my God. He was like, yo, bro, don't, don't call, don't call, don't don't say the word country down here. I was like, all right, my bad, my bad, dog. You know what I mean? But I think it was like that environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, also, like, you playing against police, you playing against judges, and you playing, like, you playing against real, you playing in a real Toxic, yeah. Anxious, yeah. Volatile environment, yeah. And you got your brothers there, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when was like when when did it click for you that you was like, yo, I'm made for this? You know what I mean? And then like, when did it happen where you kind of got out the rec league and like how did you know when did you get on the circuit or yeah? Become, so you know, you know Jerron Rush and I grew up together. Uh, Kareem, shout Rush. out to Jerron and yeah, Kareem. Rush Jay, you know, Jay. Kareem Rush was a year younger than than me and Jerron a year or two, and Brandon was a baby. Mm-hmm. So we all met in summer league, playing at a local summer league, just playing twenty one after because we was gym rats. Nobody yep. wanted to go home. Yeah. And, you know, playing locally, you, we really didn't know how talented we were until we got a little bit older. And then Jerron became, like, the number one player in his class. He's like, oh, shit, that's that's the boy right there. Yeah, and that was, what, seventh grade? Yeah, seventh grade. That's wow. the boy, dunking on people. And then for me, I just kind of, you know, when you live in the hood, dog, you always stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you just hope to live to see graduation, to be 18 from high school, you know, going to, like, you know, you know, Two, you know, kids that got killed too young, funerals, airbrushed T-shirts with their mm-hmm. names on it. You know, just that whole lifestyle was so extreme for me. And, you know, travel basketball kind of took me out of it, but it also gave me a chance to, like, kind of breathe. So when I would go play travel basketball, I had all this 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 energy, and I was going to release it in two ways. Either yeah. I was going to release it in the streets mm-hmm. or I was going to release it on the court. And... Going into my 11th grade year or 12, whatever it was when I met you, we was on mm. the same team. I was like, damn, he nice as hell. And I just watching you playing, you always been like that bar for me. So really, Nike camp, dog. Yeah. Was when I was like, yo, I kind of feel like I belong here yeah. and I could grow here and I just needed to study. You was and killing. The, and the more I study is the more I knew I would get better. Bro, you was killing. I don't know what the fuck you was talking about. You was killing, bro. <laughs> yeah, you was you was making this shit low key easy for me. You know what I yeah. mean? At Nike camp, like you was killing, bro. I was like, who the fuck is this dude? Like taking the highlights? Like you was doing all the fancy shit. I couldn't even get no like dog. Like you coming down, bouncing between your legs to Pfizer. I got to throw up uh, around my shoulder to uh, homeboy uh, Moses Malone's yeah, son. Malone's son. Uh, yeah. He was. Terrible, dog. He was fucking <laughs> terrible. He was fucking my shit up. He was fucking my shit up. But you was, dog, you was killing that Nike camp. But I want to go to early AAU. Yeah. Because there's an incredible story there. Yeah. Right? Because we played y'all. Y'all came to LA. Yeah. What was we in seventh grade or something like that? Yeah. And y'all punked us, dog. I don't know how the <laughs> fuck we lost. Y'all straight up uh, punked us. I am not going to sit here and lie. When I replay, like, just the energy and the intensity, y'all was slapping the floor and yeah. all that. I mean, I wasn't going for none of that shit, but y'all was like, y'all believed it. Yeah. And y'all punked us, bro. 
Myron Piggy on the sideline pretty much punked everybody in the, in, yeah. in the crowd. And I had no idea. Like, you know, we had little kids yeah, and yeah. shit like that. Man, walk me through that team. Y'all had a squad. You, little Piggy, Jerron, Corleone. Yeah. It, it was some other dudes that was pretty good on that squad, too. Yeah. So, so I, I always study, like, basketball in regions, right? We knew, like, players in L.A. had all the skill. Mm-hmm. Y'all just had, like, that bop and everything. Y'all could play outside as much as you want. We couldn't do that, yeah. you know, because of the winters. Mm-hmm. So we, we always took pride in defense. If you look at every player from Kansas City, defense was everything about that player. We got to learn. We got to lock up because yep. we always – this is the way it was. And for us, we knew if we was always the toughest team defensively, we had a chance offensively because we had a Jerome, mm-hmm. we had a Corleone. But for me, like just making players better, when you're the fifth boy, you learn to appease everyone in the house yep. to almost be a part of everything everyone does. Yep. So that's kind of how my game kind of took place. I was comfortable already playing with, you know, my older brothers, with older people, making everyone better. And then it ended up evolving throughout the game for the rest of my life. Nah, and and, and like that whole little CMAs, like the yeah. CMA story, yo. It's crazy. It was a crazy story, especially, like, your relationship, you know, with Myron Piggy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like, the reason why I fuck with you so tough, bro, is because, like, you, no matter, like, how far you get, yeah. you know what I mean? You're going to still go back to the trenches yeah. and fuck with your people. You know what I mean? And, like, Myron Piggy at the time was, like, public enemy number one. Yeah. Like Nino In the Brown. streets, Nino Brown. <laughs> that's, that's, that's if you Yo, watch, you you coach, watch yeah, yeah, my yeah, coach. Yeah. It's like if you parallel, he's Nino Brown <laughs> in the streets and to yep. law enforcement. Yeah, you know. But for me, it was like we come from some rough neighborhoods. Though. In Kansas City to this day, you can go in downtown Kansas City and buy a house for twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, what downtown can you do that in? It shows oh. the economics of our city right. and the lack of resources. And for me, it's like I had this dude that had this criminal record. But I didn't really see him as that. I saw him as a dude that would tell us how much he he messed up in life. Uh-huh. And he would never let us go down that path, no matter how much he continued to mess up. <laughs> yeah. And I just had to respect it because when you come from hoods that are, you know, impoverished with like, you know, drugs and we didn't bring the drugs and in there from drugs and lack of resources. You got to sacrifice to get people out. And I feel uh-huh. like that's kind of like what he did for us. Whether we chose to embrace it or not, that's ours. That's our, you know, opportunities to take or don't take. So even to this day, Pig is like just a close person for me. I always inspire him to do better. And it's like, you know, we get into basketball, but when we had to be successful coming up in the 80s and 90s, Mm -hmm. right? We were always told we had to separate from people from our neighborhood. Yep. And that's bullshit. Right. Like, how do you change and influence if you are supposed to be separated and be yeah. You can't do both. Can't do both. So I chose to never separate. I chose to inspire yep. before I expire. You know yeah. what I mean? And then whatever they do, that's on them. But I'm gonna always come back and be like, you know, you know, positive and be the light in my in my community, bro. But but Piggy was a good coach. He was. He was a he had threatened us before every game. Man, that, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> shit, if that don't motivate you to go win. Hey, I tell you about I talk but, like 
Piggy has the energy and the look of Mike Tyson. Like, you know what I mean? He has like hey, that. Bro, he's a, hey, he's bro, a G, real hey, definition of a G. I, I, you know how I be playing around one time. One time I was playing around. Yeah. And he just looked at me, dog. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go uh, in the house, go to the bathroom, and go, you yeah. want some water? Yeah. <laughs> it was like that look. You know yeah. what I mean? So I can imagine being motivated. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm watching y'all. Y'all was like, dog, y'all was some dogs. Yeah. And then when I when I reconnected with you at Nike camp, you know, you were so quiet, bro. But you was a dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, where are you going to school? He was like, oh, man, I'm going um, what, what, what were the schools you it were looking all, at? At that time, it was all Big 12. M- all Missouri. Local. Missouri, Kansas. Kansas. T. Lou, I went to Nebraska, so T. Lou was like an influence yeah. for me. So it was like Nebraska was an opportunity just to play with. He's two years older, like yeah. be a teammate. I knew he wouldn't be there. Yeah. And then from Nike County, that's when UCLA, all the West Coast schools start coming. Start coming, yeah. yeah. But talk about like T. Lou, because y'all, like, uh, uh, y'all AAU program, you was yeah. the young dudes, yeah. and T. Lou then was the older dudes, Derek yeah. Hood, yeah. all them dudes. So talk about like T. Lou and his influence, you know what I mean? Like, because. We always ask on this show, like, who are some of the dudes when you coming up, you like, yo, okay, I need to, uh, like, he close to me, you yeah. know what I mean? Or he in my region that I can pull from, or or that's a target, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, T. Lou moved to Kansas City, like, in 11th grade. He moved with his uncle, and he had, like, this this game, and he was just, you could see him just growing and just in front of our eyes. And he would practice, practice with us a lot, so he always set the bar locally. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was these two dudes from the hood, dog. One dude named was Vincent Smith, who was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Beat the shit out of me one on one every day, but he was older, and I loved just playing. I just wanted to always measure myself. Is that the up. same dude? What dude? The the Vincent, the Vince I met. Yeah, you met him playing pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just cold, just smooth and cold. And there's another dude who was to me the true point god of our of our city, and that was Jabo Andre mm-hmm. Davis. Like he had that game, but and they just got lost up in the bullshit of the city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for me. They set that bar, and I knew how good they were, and I knew I could not fall into those same traps. Yep. So when I would see a T. Lou or play against a T. Lou, I was already like I already have my hood role models. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was just the guy I would watch and see how I would play on the circuit. He was like a big bro, like yeah, a target, like you know like a I mean? target yeah. for me to like. I gotta Absolutely. always. He always like set That's the how bar. Just, Jason Hart was for me. Yeah, you know what I mean because yeah. he was older, so it was always like. Jay Hart was like a big brother figure, yeah. you know what I mean? And like a measuring stick. Like as far as he was going, I knew I can like keep going in that path. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? Um, I wanted to talk about like also like college. Yeah. Right? So all right, I, 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 I want to pick up in this in this like junior year, this junior senior Nike year, because yeah. there's a story there, you know what I mean? And like People don't know why you chose not to go to Kansas. Yeah. Because you were going to Kansas. Yeah. Right? I think I know the true story. A lot of people close to you know the true story. But, like, walk us through just from the basketball standpoint, like, what happened from Nike camp to Kansas, from Kansas to UCLA, back to Kansas, back to UCLA. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, for me, um, it's it's a lot of unpacking there. Um Pig always gave us the opportunity to choose our own path. Mm-hmm. And our sponsor at the time was a Kansas alum. He sponsored a whole thing from Anthony Pillar. Yeah. Like AP from mm-hmm. the hood all the way down to us, all the way, you know, younger than us to, you know, a young Kareem and Brandon Rush air, all of that, right? And for me, 
Um, honestly, though, I never really felt like I fit at Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been tatted since I was 14. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, really, like, growing up, my mom really let me go outside in the hood. I was I didn't live in the hood and stay in the house. Um, and Kansas had, like, this Roy Williams. And Coach Roy Williams was an amazing, amazing coach. Incredible dude. But I feel like my culture and who I am, being black and brown and being almost unapologetic, was an L.A. vibe. Yep. You know, and then being your teammate in Nike, I was like, yo, I want to be that dude's teammate in college. Because I know if I'm with him and practicing with him every day, I know I'm going to get better. Right. So when we both committed to KU at the same time, mm-hmm. I mean to UCLA at the same time, yep, right? Yep. You said I met with KU first. You went first. You went first. I went first. You committed first. Yeah. And then uh, I remember Harry called me and was like, you know, Earl committed. I was like, well, shit, I'm committing too. Yeah. It's five minutes apart. Yeah. Like <laughs> they had just left my house. And what's crazy about that home visit, dog? is when they were in my house, we're like 15, 20 minutes into the visit. It was Coach Eric and Live, my mom, my dad, and my brothers. 15 minutes into the visit, it's a shootout. Yo, you know what time it is. You know, this show wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for our sponsors. Let them have it. They had just left my house, and what's crazy about that home visit, dog, is when they were in my house, we're like 15, 20 minutes into the visit. It was Coach Eric and Live, my mom, my dad, and my brothers. 15 minutes into the visit, it's a shootout. Oh, yeah. Outside my house. Bop, 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 bop. Listen. Right? I never said, yo, Herrick and Lab was so scared. It was like, I yo. was so scared, dog. I didn't even, I didn't even get into all this shit. You know, uh, in, in two weeks, yeah, uh, keep going. I, I, I couldn't imagine. So look, so they're like, yo, we got to go. I'm like, yo, you can't leave until you hear the sirens. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a whole process to this shit. Like, you just can't walk out the door in the middle of a no. shootout, dog. Police sirens going to start three to five minutes, and then you can leave after the sirens get louder because people are going to just run off. Yeah. So the sirens get louder, people run off. My brothers, you know, they're like, so are you come? Like, what do you think? You yeah. think I want to stay here? Yeah. And my brother's like, yo, we'll, you know, get you out the hood. We'll drive you out. So they literally drive around the block to come back to tell me you had just committed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I got I to gotta talk to him every day. Sh- yeah. Shoot him my number, right? Yeah. Like, change numbers. And that was basically it. But I had a lot of pressure to stay, dog. Uh, from sponsorship, from... Uh, from George Raveling, from Roy Williams, they put me on a call. And this is crazy, it's a three-way call after I committed to UCLA on the phone with Pig, right? Yeah. And you know, sponsorship, Raveling, Coach Williams. And they go, hey, you're not gonna play if you go to UCLA. Yeah. Baron Davis is gonna play. Yeah. And I was like, that's all you needed to tell me. Nah, you really challenged me to want to be there and get better. Yeah. And I'm really going to see that. if I'm built to be in the league. <laughs> and if I didn't choose that, though, I think my whole path would be different. I do too, bro. I, I don't. I don't think that you would. You would have been a, a, a good college guard at yeah. Kansas. You know what I mean? But like, it was almost like you would. You would like the reason why I tell people this, and, and you know, shout out to Jock Vaughn, like one of the dopest point guards. Yeah. You know, to come out of L.A., I mean, to come out of, you know, California, Pasadena, L.A., and, you know, I always admired and looked up to Jock Vaughn, and when I saw Jock Vaughn at Kansas, I realized that, like, dog, I am not Jock Vaughn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's elements to me that want to do that, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm sure that 
he didn't walk into Kansas, you know what I'm saying, like that. He kind of molded him into, like, the gentleman, the professional. He was just, like, he was just, like, everything that was pure and good about basketball. And I felt like, yeah, I love to hoop, but, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm going to live this long, dog. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I ain't trying to go to no prep school and be sitting, you know what I mean? Fuck all that. I need to, like... Some go. I, I I would. I felt more uncomfortable. Yeah. Being in a space where it was completely safe. Yeah. Than going to UCLA and being in the trenches, bro, yeah. and be like, that's my environment. Yeah, that's big. I, I remember I went to, um, uh, you know, unofficial at Kansas, and I went to go talk to Coach Williams, and I remember walking into his office. And it was so quiet. Mm-hmm. And I had to talk to, like, you know, the secretary. And we, like, whispering yeah. back and forth. And I'm like, I'm looking at my brother. Like, I feel like I'm really in the police department, bro. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm in the principal's bro, office. Felt, like, I, felt, I'm so uncomfortable. It felt so college and professional. Yeah, it was like. Which is cool. Yeah, it's cool. But, it's, but I, it's didn't, like, I didn't yeah. grow up in that kind of environment. But when I went to UCLA. To and I went to visit Coach Herrick's office. The door was open. Yep. I walked right in. Players were laying on the couch talking to Coach Herrick. Herrick had his feet up talking to players. It just felt more. Yeah. It just felt more interactive and accepting of being unapologetic. Like right. I needed to find my own professional self, not molded to fit into a culture or a society that I feel like I don't come from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the UCLA allowed me to be black and brown and be professional in my own way. And today it's more accepting than ever. Absolutely, bro. You mature. I, I have to say, you mature. A lot. You matured a lot more than I did <laughs> at UCLA. But, like, catching up to this UCLA thing, like, speeding up so you decide, like, I'm not going to Kansas, I'm going to UCLA. Right? Yeah. And then the end of your high school season happened. Yeah. Right? So, end of high school season for a senior, right, is, like, right around spring, yeah. right, when you stop going to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it, I'm going to college anyway. That's a long ass time yeah. to UCLA start in September. Yeah. What happened, bro? I moved with you. <laughs> I, I I was getting so much trouble in the hood, bro. Hey, my mom. But, hey, but why t- why did you move hey. to LA and fucking <laughs> goddamn what was it June? It I don't even. It was, it was May. like the, uh, yeah. He, it was like May. did you? I was like, dog, are you gonna go back and graduate, bro, and come back? Why did you move, bro? I got into a lot of trouble, <laughs> dog. Like, too much trouble. I was, like, just too much trouble. I don't even want to talk about no, the why. Talk you know what it. I mean? But it was so much trouble. My mom, it was, check this out. This, this this is how crazy Kansas City is. My mom sent me to South Central to be safe. I was about to say that, bro. I was about to say that. This dude, and I know this, who in their right mind comes to live with me it's something to it had to be worse you know hey. what i mean like and and you know like just to just to give people some context you know like people were really like at you yeah you know what i mean and like like i was afraid because i was like yo i had went and visit you know i I, we had kicked it in Nike camp, and you was like, I was like, yo, this dude is really like, he is really, really from the hood, but I had never seen it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you came out there and you was in the hood with us, you know what I mean? Like, dog, you was like, we was so in the hood home. every day. I felt so at home. Hey, dog, we was, and I was just like, yo, like, he quiet. And my, my grandmother used to call you shy boy because yeah. he never said, are you hungry? You good? He ain't never said nothing, bro. And I was like, damn, like, all the homies was like, damn, dude, this dude fit right in. And I was like, 
man, like the hood in Kansas City can't yeah. be like that. And you was like, bro, I'm so and, and I never forget you was like, bro, I'm so glad you let me do this because if I would have stayed another month, I'd have probably died. No doubt. Or got in shootouts yeah. and shit like that. And I'm like, man. Nigga, you coming to South Central? Yeah. <laughs> like, like it could happen. It, it could go up right now. Yeah. He was like, man, it ain't nothing worse than what I went through. And then, so I yeah. said, oh, I need to go see this. I'm going to Kansas City. <laughs> so I went to go visit you in Kansas City. And what happened the second day I was there? Hey, what really happened? <laughs> no, not, no, not that hey. one, dude. <laughs> hey, it, it, put it like this. Uh, Kansas City rough, dog. Like, Kansas City is fucking rough. Put it put it like this. I seen my first shootout at the age of six. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you talking about when I'm 17, 18, it could only get worse. And when I came to South Central, dog, I remember, I remember walking outside and feeling so safe and free and about to cross the street. He was like, bro, you can't cross that street. Yeah, where you going? He was like, yo, that side, <laughs> you can't cross. I'm yeah. like, what? Because y'all got y'all. You guys in LA, the hood in LA is so so many poli- so much politics invisible and like lines. invisible lines in Kansas City is like the wild wild west. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? With Whatever. Like hills and dolly trucks yeah. and like all kind of like <laughs> No, nah, that was a crazy experience I had, bro. I was there for like I had to be there for I was supposed to be there for a week. But I think I stayed for like three days. Like the first day was some shit. Then the second day we went out, somebody almost got killed. And I was like, bro, I need to go back home to the hood. <laughs> they said, hey, bro, you can never come back here. Yeah. He was like, man, it's home. I gotta come back. And like I say, like when you stay, when you stay with us, bro, like that was like that was the first time like I had a like a brother. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like, yo, like. Bro, you uh, you cool sleeping on the floor? Cause I'm sleeping like people don't yeah. know. Like I was sleeping on the floor. Yeah, this fool was sleeping on the other side of the floor. Yeah, you couldn't turn the TV on in my house past eleven o'clock. Yeah, cause my grandmother was gonna trip. I was like, yo, as soon as we can get out this motherfucker, dog, we are out. We go to UCLA freshman summer yeah. school. That changed our lives. Yeah, yeah, that, that changed everything. But for me, though, if, if it wasn't for your grandmother taking me in and. It was such an important part in my life because I had I, my grandmother had my, my dad's mother had passed when I was young, mm-hmm. so I had my Mexican grandmother, and it's a different dynamic in the yep. cultures, dog. So to have your grandmother, I feel like I find I feel like my grandmother was speaking through her, mm-hmm. if that made sense, you know yep, what I mean? Because grandmother from the south, I kind of I felt that vibe, yeah. And it was a, it was a great experience, dog. Friendships I, for life, friends for life, bro. So you come into UCLA, right? Uh, Lav is the coach. Yeah, right. Walk me through your freshman year, cause you know I was your roommate. You know, all I remember is you smacking late at night, eating a fucking <laughs> shaky pizza, dog, and mojo potatoes. We lived in a dorm, like it was like a dorm suite. I yeah. moved out the room. Did I not move? I out moved the room? out the room. Oh yeah, I moved you out. I yeah. kicked you out, dude, and yeah. put you in the front. This motherfucker. I don't know if I can cuss on this show. Now, if I did sleep, when I did sleep, I had to sleep. Here. <laughs> no, watching TV, drinking a, like, you you can tell it was a 32-ounce pink lemonade. 
a personal pepperoni pizza, some chicken and mojos at like 1130. I'm talking about, dog, you've never heard nobody eat. They do that shit now. You know they do that shit on YouTube now. Do they, that? Uh, they they uh, record themselves like eating chicken and shit yeah. like that. Like that's what that shit sounded, bro. Man, in my hood, I wasn't allowed to sleep peacefully. <laughs> I had to stay up late. It became habits. But, you know, freshman year, I tell people this all the time. We were like gym rats. Yep. And even on Fridays, we would hit the gym. And after we hit the gym, remember, we would drive through Bel Air and Beverly Hills yep. and visualize about getting our family out <laughs> yep. the hood. Yep. And that was so impactful, dog. That, yep. that like, changed my life because I had a like-minded brother who wanted to grind the same way and just put in the work to become better yep. in basketball on and off the court, basically, even in the classroom. Talk, talk about, all right, now let's get into some hoop shit now. All right, so you're at UCLA. Yeah. Freshman summer, summer uh, FSP. Yeah. After class. Yeah. We go and hoop. Yeah. Walk me through it. This is your experience. These are your eyes. What did you see? Talk to me about when you got to UCLA, yeah. after that after that day of orientation, yeah. when we went to the gym, yeah. what was that like for you? Uh, and tell me everything that you saw. Even even before orientation, went right. to the coach's office when I first met Coach Wooden. And it was like, damn, like you talk about seeing living like gods. Like that was like surreal for me, because you know, only television and reading articles, uh, old tape, you know, and then going into Pauley Pavilion and seeing magic. And I'm like, damn, they got so many resources here. And I remember on our first, the first class we had, I think it was like 8 a.m. And FSP, and just to tell people what it is, freshman summer program for black and brown kids, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, because they thought we wouldn't make it. Is so they, that what it was for? Yeah, bro. Hey, bro. It was just you thought hey. you, you slay that and black I and brown. One of no, no white people around. <laughs> yeah. You slay like, it's not that black yeah. and brown. Yeah. No, that was, Everybody I know is uh, black and Mexican yeah. that I be seeing now from uh, like FSP. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Damn, I, that's crazy. Yeah. So I remember walking to class for 8 a.m. We had to leave like I think at like 7:15, 7:20 to get to class on time. And if you remember this, dog, we was passing the Wooden Center. Around 7:45, and we would see Kobe yep. going into the Wooden Center with his trainer. Yep. Now pickup games were at three, so we got a class around 2:15. We'd be running back to change in our dorm rooms. Kobe would just be leaving around 2:30, coming to play at three, and I was like, "Shit!" Like this dude, like he's talking about always finding people to set the bar. Bro. He set the bar, dog. I remember that, dog. We used to walk by and be like, fuck, man, we got to go to class. I used to be like, yo, we got to go to class. I want to go in the gym right now. Can't do it, bro. Got to go no. to class. Kobe was up at UCLA all the time. Bro. Yeah, and, and I believe he was already coming from the track. He was. Yeah, so we saw him in his second workout, maybe third. Maybe his third workout. Maybe his third <laughs> workout of the day. And we just, you know, trying to figure out how to write a damn I'm thesis for this five-page, ten-page paper. And he's up here getting three workouts in. So he was always ahead of everyone as far as putting in the work. But I remember going into the gym and watching the runs. And that time it was Magic. It was Kobe. It was Shaq. It was Chris Webber. It was Kay. It was everyone you could Kenny see. Anderson, Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson. Kiki Hardaway. Kiki Vandaway. Jay Kidd. Like, every, everyone was there. Uh, Norm Nixon, Norm dog. Norm Nixon. Like, Derek Martin. <laughs> Derek Martin. Pros. Like, oh, man. Poo Richardson. Poo Richardson. Pros. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. Pros. And I remember th and sitting there in the first couple of weeks I didn't play. I just sit there and was just like, yo, what the hell is this? But I remember watching you play. And I was like, yo, this dude is cold. 
because that's the first time I've ever seen you go into game mode. Even mm-hmm. in Nike camp, it was so easy for you. You just kind of just went through it, but game mode was different. And that's when I started to learn how to count dribbles, right? I oh, would, yeah, remember we used to do that shit? Yeah, <laughs> I would count dribbles, how the timing of the dribble, the count of the dribble, and the move after the dribble, after the yep. one, two, three, long cross, yep. one, two, three, short cross, yep. one hezzy, one hezzy step back. And I started to count people's movements and dribbles and rhythms, and that's how I felt like I could become impactful mm-hmm. and play in games. And I, and I think, you know, for for – for us, like when they finally like then, you know, Chris Johnson, Toby, yeah. Jr., uh, Jelani, he wasn't really coming that much though. But when Jelani did come, yeah. like we was wrecking shop. But yeah. I think he was like he had a name at the time, you know what I yeah. mean? But like we had a squad. Shea Cotton was yeah. with us. Shea was with us. Hey dog, yeah. we had a squad because yeah. I remember we would pick up full and the pros would hate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially Magic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, talk about Magic. You know what I mean? Like, don't talk about, like, how he uh, how he always cheat on the game. Because <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah was on the show, and he was like, yo, if you ever played against Irv, you already know that if it's game point. You ain't going back the other way. You ain't going back. <laughs> you ain't going back. Every play is going to be a foul. If he misses a foul, I, <laughs> yo. One one thing I learned about Magic, and I think what he did for us is he would like teach us the game in the game. Yep. But he would beat us first, and then grab us and talk to us about what to do and how yeah. not to do and all that. But um, I seen Magic Dog at that time beat the championship Lakers in a pickup game. Yep. Like you know, and he brought his own squad. He had like you know John Big Williams. John, he had yep. like his whole squad, and you know it was just incredible to see him control the game. And that's why I learned how to control the game, how to run a team, and you know pocket passing, certain how to make the defense shift on the weak side and the strong side, and how to go slow to fast to slow. And this is what I learned about Magic and, and game winners, and it helped me become a better coach. When I coached, we had the most game winners in that season of any team in the NBA. And we was trying to tank. That's hard to that's hard yeah. to do in tank. Yeah. He would always keep it so simple at the end of games. And simplicity is key to basketball because at the end of the day, basketball players are true artists. You want to give them a blank canvas and you don't want to compli- complicate the canvas Facts. with the brush that they want to use. You know what I mean? So like it's a one-four flat. High pick and roll, weak side, the little shift or rotations. You just want to make sure it's simple. And Magic is is truly was Dude, Picasso, he, bro. Duh, he was Picasso because he would take the runs, and it's like you'd be up five two, and it'd be going like that, and he'd be like, "Hold on," and you get a bucket. Yep. Then you get fouled. They don't call it. Then he get fast break. Then he slow it down, and he just knew. Game point, yeah. Like, and, and and the way I was looking at it is, he was like actually just running through, you know what I mean? His script, like, yeah. yo, he knew where to get a bucket, he knew when to slow the whole shit down, yeah, and keep somebody live and hot, yeah. you know what I mean? And it was just like, and then like the the one thing I used to like about him, like he would always say like some some fly slick shit, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, he was like, oh man! I remember one time he was pushing on the break and he crossed, and I was like, oh, I got him! And I ran underneath him and stole yeah. the ball. And he was like, wow. fella, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, that's what you're supposed to do, but you know, you got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he'll let, he'll let you go back and score. He'll look at you and clap and be like, foul down this way. Good job. You know, he told me one time I got him with the high dribble. I just started, I knew when the ball hit the floor, I could get it before he can get it, right? He's so tall. I stole it when I other than dunk. Boom. He goes, yeah, great defense. That's a foul. <laughs> I was like, even touch it. The ball hit the grain. He's like, nah, but in a real game, I would have took all this out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have forearm to the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a foul. You know what I'm saying? Our ball down here. And you can't argue with Magic, dog. But it's like, and you know, one thing Magic taught me for real is you're allowed to be, have, you know, uh, a basketball personality and a business personality. Because mm. on the court, Magic was the hoodest dude on the court. Yep. I remember walking into the gym and hearing how he was talking to people. I was like, what the? F- yeah. That's Magic? Because yeah. all I seen Magic was smiling and, yep. you know, on TV, he's so, you know, charismatic. Oh, don't get it twisted. Yeah, he from the, he from hey, the hood, Yeah, you bro. can tell. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, so he, he always had that grit. It wasn't just Showtime. He is, he is fade on you, too. Screw yeah. up on you. So I knew, like, I kind of like, okay, I have a lot of that DNA in me. I'm in the right place. Man, this has been incredible, Earl. I feel like, you know, this part of 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 the point god podcast this is the first episode that's been different it's been the life and times earl was in the molding right of a dog and when i say a dog somebody who is like ferocious i can't wait for part two stay tuned as we pick back up talk ucla talk gp talk white chocolate you know talk about the greats of the greats but also how detailed this man is and what he knows hey, what's up? This is Earl Watson. that makes him a point guy guy with my bro stay tuned man. brother for life Baron Davis Point God is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.